This is the Seven Hills Church Podcast, where you'll hear incredible teaching from our very own Pastor Marcus Meekham. If you enjoy what you hear, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast to get brand new episodes waiting for you every week. You can also download our free smartphone app to see even more exclusive content and to get connected with the life of Seven Hills. Let's get right to the message, and thanks again for being with us. If you got your Bibles, turn to 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. And we're going to look at what's called David's prayer. David, as you know, is the great giant killer. He is the man who has avoided assassination attempt after assassination attempt. David is the man who for 20 years was faithful to the promise that God had given him. He was faithful through the rejection of his father, the rejection of his brothers. He was faithful when King Saul was trying to destroy his life. David is an impressive human being in so many different ways. When you look at his life, I think there's several things that you could, could talk about. You could talk about the Psalms that he wrote in his heart to worship God. God said that he was a man after his own heart. You could look at the battles that he had won. You could look at the way he honored those in authority. You could look at so many different things, but I think you would never look at David and think that he is a man that lacks courage. You'd never say this man lacks courage. You'd say he lacks maybe at times uh, discipline. You could say at times his emotions get the best of him, his weaknesses. He was a man that we know had many failures, but I don't think we'd ever say he's a man who lacks courage. So I want you to look at this prayer because it's very interesting to me what he says, and we're just going to read the end of it, and I'll refer to much of it. Verse 27, Lord Almighty, God of Israel, you've revealed this to your servant saying, I will build a house for you. So your servant has found courage to pray This prayer, everybody say this prayer, this prayer, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer. What is this prayer? Sovereign Lord, you are God, your covenant is trustworthy and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever. Everybody say it forever. In the sight of you, sovereign Lord, you have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Say that one more time. Say forever. All right, let's look at this. This prayer. This prayer. David, of course, is now the king of Israel. He has been in process for almost 20 years. He's finally on the throne. He's united Judah and Israel back together. He has brought the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, back to Jerusalem. He's got his feet kicked up in his palace. He's overlooking the palace. He's overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And he's looking back on all that he's been through, all that he's accomplished. And his eye catches the tent, the tabernacle, where the presence of God has been housed. This is how the presence of God has been housed since 
The children of Israel came out of the wilderness. And when they came out of following the cloud by day and the fire by night, and Moses was given the instructions to create this God box, if you will, and put the manna and put Aaron's rod that budded and put the commandments. And this is going to be now the place that will go in a tent. And that inside of that tent is where God's presence will dwell. And so everywhere Israel went, this tent went, this ark went. And so now they're in the promised land. They have the land, they have their kingdom, they have their nation, they have their cities. And David is on the throne and he looks over at the tabernacle and he says, how is it that I'm living in this house that's built of cedar and stone? And I'm in this place of beautiful, with beautiful architecture. And I look over and God's presence is in a tent. And he sees a problem with the fact that God has built his house but he's not built God's house. He sees a problem with that. He sees a dilemma with that. And so he has this courage to pray this prayer. And I want to give you a few thoughts on this prayer, a few thoughts on this prayer. And we see it very clearly. Number one, that God's kingdom will live far beyond us. Five times in one prayer, David uses the word forever. He's not praying right here, right now. He's not praying in the moment about a current situation or a current problem. His prayers are extending beyond the moment, beyond his current circumstance. And he's including the concept of forever. I want to ask you a quick question. When you pray, how often do you include forever? I want you to fix my problems. I want you to heal my body. I want you to open that door. I want you to help me in this area where I've got weakness or sin. I, I really want to see you come through. I'm struggling with this issue. I'm struggling in this area of my life. I don't want it to be, and I want to see you do something. But have you ever included the concept of forever? If you never heal me, if you never give me the breakthrough, if you never rescue me, then no amens on this one. Because if I said, if I said, if you'll ask God to heal you, deliver you, redeem you, restore you and say, God, do it now, the place would erupt. And yes, it is the will of God to heal and strengthen and restore and renew. And he wants to do that. But let's just take a minute, even though our theology doesn't give much room for it, it may not happen here and now. It may not. Right? We know Paul is in heaven. He's standing before the throne of God. Three times he says, God, I'm in your presence. I'm in heaven. He was taken up into what he calls the third heaven. So that's past like the earth's atmosphere, the clouds. That's past the sun, the moon, the stars. He is in heaven where God's throne is. And there he says, God, I've got this thorn in my flesh and I want you to deliver me from it. I want you to help me in this area. It's creating pain. It's creating heartache. It's creating all these issues. And three times he says, God, will you deliver me from this? And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, God says, you're going to go back to planet earth. And guess what? As long as you're on the planet, that problem is going to always be in your life. Some pains that we have will always be there. Some regrets we have will always kind of be there. 
some areas where we just struggle to fight it, it will always be there. But the good news for the believer is, guess what? We have forever. In other words, this is as bad as it gets for a child of God. It's okay. It's okay. This is as bad as it gets for a child of God. It will get no worse than this right here. Whatever you're seeing in this time and space, this is as bad as it gets. It only gets better for the believer because we live with a concept of forever. Not just here, not just now. Now, if you don't know Jesus, can I help you out? This is as good as it gets. It just gets worse forever, by the way. God's kingdom will far outlive us. It's forever. This prayer, this prayer, pray prayers that include forever. Not just now, not just me, not just this, but God, I want your kingdom. Whatever I'm living for, I need to keep forever in mind. So the vision that we have as a church should also be big enough that it focuses on future generations to enjoy its fulfillment. There should be vision that we never actually see realized. That's how big the vision that God's given us. That's why we say things like every single year, we're going to try to open a new campus and your eyes get as big as mine because I don't have any clue on how that's going to happen. But you have to have a vision that's big enough that only future generations may enjoy the fulfillment. Every single one of those schools we open a campus in, you know what? Someday you got to build a building for it. I hope I die. I hope I'm not around for it. But my vision is big enough. I can see a permanent location like this in Anderson. I can, I can see, I can see it. I can believe God for it. I don't know exactly what I'll realize and what I won't. Let me give you a few examples. In Paris, there's the great cathedral, Notre Dame. It took over a hundred years to build. In Germany, there's the Cologne Cathedral. It took over 600 years to build. 600 years from start. To finish. In Barcelona, there's the La Sagrada Familia began construction in 1882, and they had a 200 year plan to complete its designer and architect, Antonio Gaudi. When he was designing it, they came to him and they said, Hey, listen, does it cause a problem for you to realize that this building that you're designing and planning, that you won't be alive for its completion? And his response was, no, I don't mind. My boss isn't in a hurry. God's kingdom far outlives us. Our life is brief. It's a vapor. It's a blink here. It's gone. We have to be about more. And this, he said, this prayer, this prayer, what prayer? That it's beyond me. It's bigger than me. The children of Israel said, we want to leave Egypt. That was great to have a vision for that, but they didn't stop there. They had to have a vision to cross the Red Sea. 
They had to have a vision to traverse the wilderness. They had to have another vision to enter the promised land. Then once they were in the promised land, vision to conquer giants and cities in the promised land. Today, as we're here, they're still as a people facing resistance all over the world. They've gone through the Holocaust. They've gone through all kinds of enemies that surround them. That vision has been passed down. Watch it for 4,000 years, and they're still waiting and believing to see its completion. Why? Because this prayer keeps you focused. This kind of a prayer gives you fuel. This kind of a prayer helps you all the way to the finish line because you'll run all the way to your last breath and realize I didn't see it complete, even though my job and my role in it is complete. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of Abraham's family. This is important. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God does not introduce himself as the God of community. He introduces himself as the God of individuals. So many times what we do is we say, oh, well, he's the God of seven hills. No, 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 no. He's the God of the individuals that make up seven hills. As soon as the individuals cease to put him in his rightful place, guess what? As a community, we can gather, but that doesn't mean he's on the throne. That doesn't mean Jesus is Lord. Just because you put a cross on a building or a name on a building, that doesn't mean God's the God of a building. God's the God of the people, the individuals that make up the community. And this is important. Why does God do this? He's the God of Abraham. Okay. But guess what? Isaac, he has to make sure that he makes the choice to make him his God too. Jacob has to wrestle with God until he surrenders fully and says, okay, God, I'm going to give my life to you as well. Yes. He's a God that wants to be involved in the community. He wants to be involved in the family, but it takes place at an individual level first personal level, because in the in the midst of a community, in the midst of a church, in the midst of a room like this, in the midst of a gathering, in the midst of, of all that God's wanting to do, his kingdom in the earth, all that he's doing, he never wants the value and the crucial part and the vital part that the individual plays to get lost. So God calls you as an individual. He wants you to say to yourself in your own heart, God, I'm here. I'm available. I'll do what I can. I'll use what I have that changes lives. I'm going to be a part of something that will far outlive me. And David's language was, God, when I think about this, who am I? He says that early on in his prayer in verse number 18 of that chapter, he says, who am I? What is my family? When I think about the great things that you want to do, he goes and says, I'm but a mere human. But yet you've made known to me, you want to do something great and you've involved me personally in something greater than I could do individually. Think about it. He wants to involve you personally, but it's so much greater than you as an individual. A lot of us want God to do something personal with us, but he want, we want him to do it individually for us. No, God does something personal for you, but it's for something much greater than you as an individual. So David prays this prayer. What we do for ourselves dies with us, but what we do for God lives beyond us. And David understood that. Number two, our boss is not in a hurry. 
David has this plan. He has this goal to build God a house. He comes up with the plan. He gets the details. He gets all the specific measurements of the temple. He brings the materials from all over the region, all the wood that it would take to build it, all the stones, all he pulls everything together. He has everything exactly like it needs to be. But then God says, sorry, you're not going to build it. He dies. 50 years it would take from the time the inception of the temple showed up in the heart of David. He has the conversation with the prophet Nathan 50 years before its completion. It took Solomon seven years to stand on the shoulders of his dad and complete the temple. But it began in David what Solomon stood and dedicated the temple that honored God and provided a place for God's presence to be would last would take 50 years. So your prayer should always be on someone, something, and someday outside of yourself. Nothing wrong with including yourself, but whatever it is, God, the work I want to see you do in my life is for someday, someone, somewhere, and something outside of myself. This prayer, everybody say this prayer. You can pray all kinds of prayers. I'm talking about this prayer, and I'm going to show you in a minute why this prayer matters. This prayer will recognize the magnificence of the vision takes time. There's no rush. It takes your life. I can remember when Sarah and I drove into the city of Cincinnati before we ever even got here. We were praying, God, give us a city. We want you to give us a city. And we knew, this is what we knew. How we knew this in our 20s, I don't know. Maybe we heard it from somebody and it was a cute idea and it was a cliche, but it, the, the seed got in my heart and I knew it to be true. And what I knew was wherever we go and we were planning on starting a church, wherever we go, I knew that we would have to buy burial plots when we got there. Some of you have heard me say this. On my first Sunday, when I stood up and preached my first sermon, I read from 2 Samuel chapter 5, and in that sermon, David made a covenant with God before the people, and the Bible says he made a covenant with God before the people, and that covenant was for 38 years. And so I made a commitment that I would give Seven Hills 40 years of my life on day one on day one. I'm 16 years into it. I'm almost 16 years into it. And I'm counting the years, by the way, baby. I can't wait. 24 left in Jesus name. I can see the finish line and the beach. Just, I'm trying to get back to the sermon, just thinking about it. I hope I finish. I hope I can fulfill that commitment. This is what I know. To really do something great with your life. The commitment of a lifetime has to outlive your lifetime. I knew it would have to be God. There's no way what you want to do is anything but use me to lay the foundation to set the stage for the next generation to go further. It's not only what people remember when we're gone. It's what God remembers when we're done. My goal is not to live on the earth forever. My goal is to leave something that will. 
Then number three, and we're done. Pray covenant prayers. David says, your covenant is trustworthy. What covenant is he referring to? Genesis chapter 12. What's this covenant? Bottom line, we could go into it into depth, but we're just going to say it like this, that I'll bless you. God says to be a blessing. When God blesses you, it's for you to be a blessing. When he blesses you, he has more than you in mind. Think about it like this. You have oil in one place and your desire is to get it to another place. And so you build this huge pipeline. You got this big pipeline and the goal of the pipeline is to get oil from there to there where you've got it to where it's needed. The goal of the pipeline is to get that oil from here to there. Now we would know that the oil flowing through the pipeline, that the pipe gets oil on it. Now the goal was not to create the pipeline to get oil on it. It was to get oil through it, but you can't put oil through something You can't allow there to be oil running through something and it not get on the thing that it's running through. That's the best way I could explain the covenant that David's talking about. He's saying, listen, I understand that you have oil, you have anointing, you have that which you're wanting to get from one place to another place, and you have to have someone that's willing to carry it. You have to have someone that's willing to bring it to that place. I want to be that person, and because the oil is going to run through me to them, I know it's going to come on me in the process. It's not the purpose to get oil on me, but that's just what happens when you let it run through you. You cannot let the blessing of God run through you and it not come on you. The goal, the goal is I'm blessed, but it's because of what I want to see you do through me. Guy wanted to buy his wife some expensive perfume. They'd been married 10 years. He thought, I've got to do something right. You know, decade of being married. So he goes to to Macy's and he looks at the lady behind the counter. He says, Hey, listen, I want the best perfume that you've got. I mean, whatever you got, I want the best perfume. And she brings it out. She rings it up and she says, that will be $599. He's like, Ooh, do you have anything cheaper? And so she brings back a mirror. A lot of us want to do something great for God. Ooh, ooh! You should think about being your pastor for a minute. I just want to bring you a mirror. You know, I'm telling the truth about it. Romans calls it the gift of giving. You know, the Bible says that you're to desire all spiritual gifts. Have you ever prayed that God would give you the gift of giving? Ooh. All kinds of gifts we pray for, but the gift to give, oh, that's a different kind of gift. We were beginning to understand covenant prayers. Covenant prayers. God, I want it because I want you to get it through me. I want you to get it through me. I have a dream for what I can do. I have a dream for what we can accomplish. I have a dream for the individual part I play in seeing you bless the earth. 
through me. Corinthians says it should be beyond your ability. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 18 says that God gives you the power to create wealth, not money, wealth. It's an anointing that he brings on your abilities and your gifts. Why? It goes on to say to establish his covenant on the earth. We just said what his covenant was. His desire is to bless you to be a blessing. Now, David's prayer. Let's look at it one more time and we're done. He says, so your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. You are God. Your covenant is trustworthy and you have promised these good things to your servant. Let's stop there. When you believe that God is good, you give him access to every area of your life. When you believe that God is good, that that's his character, that's his nature. He is our provider. That's who he is. When you really believe that he's good and wants to do good things for you, you give him access to every area of your life. When you doubt his goodness, you block him from an area of your life. He goes on to pray. Not just do I want your goodness in my life, but he goes on to say, be pleased to bless the house of your servant. That this may continue forever in your sight, sovereign Lord, you've spoken it. And with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. Do you hear his language? Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. When I hear that prayer, you know what I think? Gag me with a spoon. That's a horrible prayer. Come on, bless them. Bless that. That's the right prayer. Bless, bless this. Bless something else. But the Bible says, watch this. That the servant found courage to pray this prayer. David, the giant killer, David, the man who shut the mouth of lions, David, the man who subdued kingdoms, who overcame every enemy. He played the harp and demons would flee. He stood and believed God in the face of his father and his brothers and kings, all doubting who he was. But David had the courage to believe. But then it comes to this prayer. And he says, you gave me courage to pray this prayer. And when I read that, I thought, no, you, you gave David courage to do a lot of things, but to pray a prayer until I realized that the courage that he needed was God, your goodness and your blessing. I want it. I want it on every area of my life. I want my life dripping with the blessing and the goodness of God so I can build your house. I don't want to sit here in this place and look over and not see your place, have everything that it needs to accomplish what you desire it to have. If God's built my house, then I make commitment to build his house. And that, my friend, takes the same kind of courage to kill giants, the same kind of courage you need to face your enemies is the kind of courage 
it takes to pray that kind of a prayer. This prayer, God, I want your goodness on my life because I know you can trust what I'll do with it. All the goodness, all the blessings on my life, I'm clear, have a purpose. They have a purpose. I can pray, God, give me the gift of giving. I want the gift that everything that comes, I know you're going to help me try to figure out how to give, how to give, how to give. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I love that King David, the mighty giant killer, said, God, you gave me courage to pray this prayer. So what that tells me is many times we don't have a giving problem. We don't have a blessing problem. We don't have a goodness of God problem. We have a courage problem. Now, I know none of us like to look at our lives and say, I don't have courage. We don't like anybody to say, you don't have courage because in many times in a lot of areas of our life, we do have courage. Courage is a father. Courage is a husband. Courage is a wife. Courage as an employee. Courage as a business owner. Courage, courage, courage. David had courage in so many areas, but it had to come to this area. You've given your servant courage to pray this prayer. It's about forever. It's about eternal things. I know you're not in a hurry and whatever I'm a part of, I have to give my whole life to it and beyond that. And I have to be a person of covenant. God, as you bless me, I promise to use that blessing. It will flow through me to bless the nations of the earth, to build your house and to help people hear about Jesus. Can I help you know this? Every time someone gets saved and experiences Jesus, it's because of someone's everyday generosity. Their eternal destiny is changed by someone's everyday simple act of generosity. And it takes great courage to see the eternal ramifications behind it. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, in the day that we live in, I believe that courage is at a minimum. In my own life, I pray that you give this servant courage to pray this kind of a prayer. The kind of prayer that acknowledges your goodness, the kind of prayer that acknowledges your blessing, that you have more of it that you want to bring so you can get it through us. And your covenant is trustworthy. Your covenant I can trust. You're going to keep your end. Father, help me to keep my end. As you bless me, I'll always know to bring to you, to honor you, and to build your house. Give us courage. Just right where you're at. Maybe put your hand on your heart. Just ask God to maybe give you a new, just asking for your consideration, your own judgment. You can do this in your own time as well as you just ponder on it. I'm not trying to put this on you. I'm just trying to say for my own life, I needed a new dose of courage. And just right where you're at, maybe you could just say, God, help me investigate my life when it comes to these areas 
do I need some more courage? Do I need some more faith in your trustworthiness to say, God, I'm ready to give everything I've got to seeing your will, your plan, the great things you want to do individually. I want to be committed to what you're doing in a greater way. Personally, I want to be involved to the, in the greater things that you're doing. Give me the courage to see it, to grab a hold of it and to involve my life in it in Jesus name. So father, we settle that in our own spirit. And father, now, as we look forward into the future at the movies, we look forward into things like heart for the house. As we look forward into wrapping this year up, we look forward into even election season. Father, I thank you for the courage to stay focused that everything that we're a part of, it is forever that your kingdom, that heaven and earth will pass away. That every kingdom that we see at some point comes to an end on this earth, but your kingdom is forever. And that is the king. And that is the kingdom that we are subject to. And we have great courage advancing that kingdom with every single ounce of our lives that we can. In Jesus' name, we all said a big amen. Come on, can we give the word of the Lord a good hand clap together? That's all for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, there are just a couple next steps we'd love to highlight. First, you can subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with brand new episodes every single week. You can even share this with a friend by clicking that share button you see right there on your screen. We'd also love to hear from you. So if you have a comment, you can visit us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Seven Hills Church. Lastly, we want to say thank you to those who give generously to this ministry. You're helping us impact thousands. You can click on the link in the episode's description to give now or visit us at sevenhillschurch.tv backslash give. Thank you again for listening and we'll see you next time.